Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. We are back at it with another episode of Playing Around, and I'm Paige Renee. We have another very exciting guest today, Matt Eisman, host of American Ninja Warrior. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm super excited. Me too, Paige. I'm excited too, and I'm going to I'm gonna try to get some good golf tips out because that's what, it's been my quarantine goal was to get my, my swing a little better. I know. I was looking at your Instagram. Your swing's not half bad, I might say. That is so polite of you to say. My <laughs> hips don't move. I look like the Tin Man. It is, it's, I have been, I got a coach and I've been working on it. I'm like, when, when are we going to learn how to make my hips move? He's like, pump the brakes, Elvis. One, one problem at a time here. Well, you're like a pretty big muscular guy. And I've noticed that too, especially if I'll play with like football players or any yeah. guy that has like a lot of muscle. They, there's no, no mobility. There's no the, moving. <laughs> so this, this is the craziest thing that for, for me with golf is everything else you've done. You put more effort into it. You do better. And with golf, it's like swing easy. And, and I do that on a practice swing. And Paige, you put a little white ball in front of me. And all of a sudden, it's like the Hulk. I am on my tippy toes trying to hit the ball to the moon, top it, it goes seven feet. And you know what happens then. It's just embarrassing. I know. Well, do you have the same problem as me where, like, on the range, you're great, you're awesome, and then you go to the course, and then that's where everything goes to shit? Yeah. Well, the range ain't, so, ain't hot shakes either. It's, 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 but you know what, though? I, I will say that the thing I love about it, it particularly – particularly during quarantine is kind of the pacing and golf is forcing, forcing me to slow down, forcing you to try to be a little more methodical. And, and the problem that, you know, it really is that Zen of clearing your mind because I've got about 42 swing thoughts. And if I get all 42, <laughs> right, I'm crushing it. But you get one of them wrong and I'm sending balls off into the Amazon jungle. Well, it's funny too, because you'll go see a coach and they'll give you all of these swing tips. Then you go on the course and they say, well, just focus on tempo. And they're like, well, what about the other 15 million things that you just told me to do? Like, how does that work? So I watched, you had a quickie on about the bump and run. And I played mm -hmm. yesterday and I was watching it. And I'm like, okay, 70, 30, get on that front foot, choke it up. Now keep those arms straight. And I did it like three times. I'm like, this is awesome. Then once I looked up, sculled it right across the court. And it's like, you can never stop 
being perfect in this sport, but it's, I, I love it. I love it. One of my buddies and I, we've just been dragging each other out. I'm, I'm in Los Angeles and, you know, California has been locked down and now the air quality is just horrendous, but it's still, it's a nice way to get outside and be around people while being socially distant and responsible. Yeah. Well, what courses do you play in LA? Uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to brag. I'm kind of a big time. I play Roosevelt, the nine hole Muni. That's 20 bucks. <laughs> sometimes I, if I'm feeling my oats, I'll go to Wilson and Harding. No, sometimes Rancho where they have carts. It's very, very wow. Yeah. Jeez, I, I've been, you're like, fancy. I've Riviera. I've, I've, I've done charity events where I go out and for, it's gorgeous, but I'm embarrassed because I'm like, I don't, they, they should not have golfers of my caliber out here. But the <laughs> other thing is Riviera, what is it? The Kukua grass, the, the long stuff in the rough. It's for, a, for an average duffer. You're like, this is, this is not fun. This is, I'm, I'm hitting the ball. It's going two feet. And they're like, just, you just gotta swing powerfully. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm just gonna do the do the hand wedge, put it in the fairway, and try again. So I, I kind of like the Munis are a little more forgiving, and that's where I am right now. We actually have something in common. We both grew up in Colorado. What? Yeah. Did we go to high school together? I imagine <laughs> we're very much the same age. If you look at us, I look very similar youth-wise to you. Where did you grow up? Uh, so Denver and then Colorado Springs, but my older sister, she still lives in Denver. And I, I we go back pretty much every summer, yeah. but I miss it there. I love I do Colorado. Too. And, I mean, have you gone up to Vail or played up there when you're at, you know, 8,000 feet and you're hitting drives, just bombs. All of a sudden you're like, I'm like Bryson out here. Look at this. It had to be 360. Yeah, I played a tournament in Snowmass, and it's absolutely beautiful. But I love mountain courses because you can just hit it a mile. Yeah, did you, so, so where far. Did you, where did you go to high school? So I was homeschooled. I'm a weird homeschooled kid. Okay. So I didn't. But my sister, when we were living in Colorado Springs Monument area, she went to Lewis Palmer. Okay. All right. Yeah, we played you guys in football. I, have you played Sanctuary? Have you had a chance to play that one? It's the private course for charity events in Castle I have, Rock. I haven't it's, played it's Sanctuary. But it's, it's, I've heard it's absolutely amazing. It's great, but it is, it's so punitive where, you know, you, you have like, they'll have 200 foot elevation changes from the tee box, <laughs> but, but it's, it's a narrow fairway. So you're like, you can't, it's, it, I just, I lose balls left and right out there, but it is, it is gorgeous. Do you get to go back quite a bit still? I do. I, I've been, I mean, even during lockdown, my, my folks are out there. My dad's health has been a little. He's, he's been dealing with some issues. So I've, I've gotten back a couple of times and my brother and I both times have, have managed to get out. Actually, I, one of my friends took me out on Cherry Hills, which is for oh. those who don't know, it's one of the, one of the nicer clubs in the country. Um, and it was fun, but I was, I was playing with my friend. And again, I'm still learning the rules of golf. So like periodically they were coming up, they put a hand, they go, Hey, uh, don't drive the cart there. Just, just <laughs> leave it on the car path. Okay. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to get us kicked out of Bushwood. It felt felt like uh, Carl Spackler out there. Yeah, you don't realize how exclusive or elitist those clubs are until you actually get there and you learn all these new rules that you've never even heard of before. Like I remember yeah. I was telling someone like, you can't change your shoes in the parking lawn. You can't do this and you can't do that. And yes. people's minds are blown. I'm like, oh, it's another world when you go into like the nice, nice country. Literally, we, so we went into the, they have a men's locker room with the men's grill, men only, because it's very progressive. And they were like, <laughs> you can't wear your hat in the bar. I was like, are, really? Are you guys messing with me? He's like, oh, this is a no hat policy. I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm at the queen of England. But it was lovely. Well, 
Yeah, even Wingfoot, where they're playing the U.S. Open this week, they're very strict with, like, the rules. Even the women have to take their hats off, and I almost wasn't allowed in, like, the little grill area. So it's uh, it's quite different there. Yeah, well, golf, golf is old school in some ways, I guess. <laughs> I so. know. Okay, so, Matt, I was looking up your story, and it is quite interesting. You were a doctor. Like, you didn't play a doctor. You were an actual Doctor, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a typical career path Ken Jong and I have done. So you grow, growing up, uh, entertainment was never on my radar. In, you know, in Colorado, there, there's not a lot of production going on, at least when I was growing up. So enter, entertainment was something I never entertained as a, as a viable career option. And so I went down uh, kind of the, the academic path and, and ended up becoming a doctor and went to medical school and was doing my residency at the University of Colorado, where my dad's a professor was a professor at the time and uh you know you get into it and it was it's the perfect career on paper for me i, I love helping people i love sciences i'm good at it um I, I thought it's it's really challenging the problem solving but you know you you realize you don't live your life on paper and when i was doing the day-to-day -day existence i realized my heart wasn't wasn't in it and i i remember the day it was a january um january morning it was like two in the morning i was in the intensive care unit we were getting slammed. We had like seven new patients coming in and I'm writing orders and, and the doctor I was working with was kind of overseeing was like, you just write stuff. You, we got to We got to get going on this. And I'm writing things going, Oh my God, this is life or death right now. And, and it just made me realize that it was something where I was kind of struggling, struggling with how passionate I was about it because medicine isn't a job. It's not something you can just kind of do nine to five. It's, 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 it's a sacred trust. People are placing their lives in your hands. And, and, and that responsibility makes you feel like you have to live up to it. And, and I felt like I wasn't. So it, it was this horrible feeling of going into the hospital saying, I'm not doing everything I can to, to help these people. And, and it made me feel terrible. And, and so I, I kind of reached a breaking point where I realized I, I have to figure this out. And so my thought was I needed to grow up was what I thought. And so I, I, I decided to take a year off um, and kind of clear my mind and, and see if I could just become an adult and appreciate medicine more. And instead, I, uh, I, I, so I thought, what, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna you know, be a beach bomber or travel the wor world or bartend or whatever? And I thought I, I'd done stand up a couple times in med school and I thought, you know what? I've never done anything creative in my life. I'm gonna move out to LA just spend a year, try and stand up and, uh, you know, I'll come back to medicine with a renewed focus and go back to saving lives. And instead it was like three weeks into it where I was like, this is what I was meant to do and I'm never going back. And it just, it felt like, uh, it felt like I found my, my purpose and not that it was saving lives, but I was so happy being on stage entertaining people. And then I got into commercials and I was making much more money than I was as a resident. And so it just, it kind of one year became, it's been uh, two decades now I've been out here doing this. And, and I'm, I don't regret doing medicine. I think it, it gave me a healthy perspective on life and certainly on this business where we treat everything as life and death. But at the end of the day, it's like, I'm talking about ninjas or, you know, I, it's, <laughs> I'm telling jokes, nobody lives or dies, but it, it gave me a healthy perspective on it. And it, and it gave me like an appreciation. I'm so happy. I love what I do. I love doing stand-up comedy. I love hosting Ninja Warrior, following first responders on live rescue. And I know how lucky I am to be doing it because 
I, my friends are still doctors. They're on the front lines of this pandemic and I see how much, what the toll is that it takes on them physically and emotionally. And, and I'm lucky to be doing something where, you know, it's, uh, it's fun and I have time to golf today. <laughs> so it's, it's not a traditional career path and probably not how I drew it up, but uh, it got me where I am and I, I love where I am. How did your parents take that where so, you were on the route said, to be a doctor? And then it's a good like, question. You know that's what? I'm going to do comedy. and Because people always ask me because I was on the route to be a professional golfer. And then I'm like, you know what? Let's not do that. I'm just going to do Instagram. It's so what's my dad's a doctor and my parents had always valued education. And so when I kind of made that realization in January of 99 that I, I needed to reevaluate the hardest part for me was telling my dad because again he's he's the hero he's the, he's you know the guy i grew up larger than life figure and i saw how much medicine meant to him and i think how proud he was of me and so it took me a couple months to work up the courage to sit him down and tell him what i was thinking and i remember when i told him i'm like i i i'm my heart's not in this i gotta try something else i want to move out to la and do stand-up and it was just like a, a moment and then he just looked at me and he said life is short do what makes you happy and they've supported that and, and, and stood behind it. And I'm sure he said something different behind my back when I left, like, what, what is he thinking? He's a doctor, he's made it, he's, he's there. The Titanic <laughs> has made it to New York City and now it's just ramming into the Statue of Liberty, destroying itself. But they, I, think, I think my dad realized what medicine entails. And he's like, if, if this isn't your passion, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be tough, so. And they, I think they've, over the years now, they've seen how much I do love what I do and I've, I've been successful at it. So it's worked out. And, and my parents, like, there's no education that's wasted. Eh, maybe a little wasted, uh, I'm not saving lives, but, but they were, they've been very supportive with it. And I, and I, I can't, honestly, Paige, my dad was such a figure in my life that if he'd said, you're not going out to LA, you're staying here being a doctor, I don't know that I would have had the courage to leave and not trust his judgment over mine. So, uh, you know, every time I see him, I just, I, I'm always, I always tell him just how, how lucky I am that he let me be who I become, who I am. So it was great. Well, I mean, you're obviously, you made the right move. You're very successful now. And Boom. I always see people saying that when you go to LA, it, takes a long time to kind of work your way into industry. How long did it take for you? Or what was the kind of that one moment you're like, so I made I, it like this is you know, what I want to be doing. Here's the thing I will tell you. I don't think you ever have felt like you've made it. Um, <laughs> I think there's always something where when you get to a place where five years ago, you'd be like, if I ever get there, I'll have made it. I'll be happy. When you reach that level, you kind of see what's what's next. But I, I think for me, I, I got lucky, I played baseball in college. And so I had a friend who was an actress and she was working on a show when I, when I moved out there. And she's like, do you wanna be an extra? They, they have some, some uh, they're doing a softball, like a scene where they need some ringers to come in who look like they know what they're doing. We can, I can get you on. I'm like, great, it was the Drew Carey show. So I go there and uh, the guy who repped all the other ringer baseball players was like, do you have an agent? I said, no. And, so he started submitting me for commercials. So about a month, a month and a half in, I booked a, a commercial. And this was when commercials were unbelievably lucrative. And then by the end of the year, I think I had four national commercials on. So I was making good six figure income at that point when I was making 32,000 as a resident. <laughs> when you're working 
you know, 100 hours a week when you're on a pager. And here I am going out shilling for Tide detergent and you work <laughs> for two days and then all of a sudden you just keep getting checks. So pretty quickly financially, I was really doing well. And, and, and then it just kind of built. And, and so much of it has been, I, I had an idea, but there, there wasn't a clear path. It's been saying yes to one opportunity led to the next that led to the next. And the, the show I'm on now, American Ninja Warrior, we're in season 12. The very first show I did in 2004 was a Fear Factor knockoff show on the E! Network called Screenplay. It lasted one season, it tanked. But that job got me a job on a, on a home makeover show, Clean House, that ran for five years. And that led to a sports show on Versus, Sports Soup, which is kind of comedic, and that got me Ninja. So that first hosting gig I had in 2004 led to the job I have now. And it's one of those lessons when you're pursuing something where I always think the, the power of saying yes, because nothing happens sitting on your ass at home. Like there are a ton of talented people who are out there hustling. So if you think you're amazing and people are going to discover you, I will tell you there are people who are just as amazing who are out there making connections. And so for me, it was just getting my foot in the door, meeting people. And, and then I think, I believe, I know I'll, I'll, I'll work my ass off on a show. I'll, I'll give you everything I got. So I feel like if you get me in the door, I'll, I'll convert, I'll close. Just get me in there and, and make a connection. And it's been amazing how when you're in this and you start to see it as a marathon, you're like, you meet somebody and it may not be for a month, six months, a year. I, I, I got a gig five years later hosting a, a special, an Evil Knievel special with Travis Pastrana that came from meeting five years before, a one, one meeting. And so it's been interesting for me, I think, to to see the value of just kind of trying to show up, trying to be professional and saying yes to things that may seem small or insignificant at the time. But if you go in, you have fun, you give it your everything, I, I think inevitably that pays off. And, and you see that success is never a sprint. It is a marathon if, if you really want to do something. And that takes years uh, to build it up. And, you know, there are always cases of people who just explode who are just supremely talented or get lucky. But I think most people, it's like, hey, you gotta work. You gotta put the time in, make the connections and then you know, hope that good things happen. Have you been surprised with the success of American Ninja Warrior? Like when yes. you are first presented with an idea or a project, do you know in your heart or have a feeling like no. this is gonna be a success no, and this I, is what people are gonna love or it's just kind of like throw shit against the wall and see what sticks? Yeah, throwing shit against the walls. I want to make it sound more artistic, like it's paint, and then all of a sudden it'll craft. Now you're you're throwing shit against the wall because everyone will tell you there've been countless times when you're a part of something where you're like, oh my god, this is a can't miss project. Like I did, I did a a show, a medical show, where I was kind of a doctor on it. It was a reality show, and we shot it. And they're like, ABC says this is the best pilot they've ever done. It's testing through the roof, through the roof. It's gonna go forever. A month later, they're like, ah, we're going in a different direction. It never happened. And, and you've been a part, I've been a part of a lot of those scenarios or something where you feel it's a can't miss thing or the converse where Ninja Warrior came to me and I was, I was doing the sports show and the home makeover show. And they're like, look, this is, it's, it's based on a Japanese game show, completely over the top show called Sasuke. That was a little more tongue in cheek than our show has ended up being. And they're like, we're, we're doing the American version. It'll probably be 10 episodes on a network G4 that doesn't exist anymore. And we thought, hey, if it goes a summer, that's great. It, it, it's great. And then when I got on the show and I started to see, the thing that, the thing that gave me some inkling of the success to come were the competitors, these, these athletes on the show. 
they had this unreal passion for it. But more than that, I saw it was unlike any, I played football, basketball, and baseball growing up and everything is zero sum, right? I win, you lose, it's cutthroat. And on this show, what we saw were these athletes were cheering for each other. And not only that, one would go on an obstacle and he'd fall and he'd turn back to the guy who was going next. He'd say, hey, I'd, I'd go switch grip on this. I'd put one hand forward, one hand back because the bar spun. And you see the guy use it and he just, he would beat him. He would defeat the guy who gave him the tip. And you thought, this is unlike any sport I saw. And, and we quickly realized one of the cool things about Ninja Warrior is you're not competing against anybody but yourself. You're just trying to be the best version of yourself, better than you were yesterday. And I think that's been one of the secrets for success for this show of there are tons of traditional competition, golf, football, those are, they're all back. But Ninja Warrior to have something where you can genuinely cheer for everybody and cheer for someone and not feel like it's at the exclusion of someone else. And to have something where I think for a lot of the athletes that come there, I, I think either they just don't have that killer mindset or they, they really want to be a part of something where you feel we're elevated and we're working together. And it's been, it's been amazing. I think that's been one of the greatest reasons of, for the show's success is that you don't have to be the champion. You don't have to be the one to hit the buzzer to be successful. Some of the people, for them, just making it to the course is a win. And when you see that at home, it's a show where every, we've had two winners in, in 11 years. Every other person falls. They've all come up short. But when you watch the show, it feels like it'd be a show about failure. There's more success on the show because so many of these people are coming out there where they're like, you know, we, we have a girl competing tonight who has cystic fibrosis. And she's like, the fact that I'm on the most grueling obstacle or physical reality show on television is a huge win. I never imagined I would do this. So I, I think it's been amazing to be a part of a show that, I, and I had no idea when it started, Paige, that it would become this, but it's been amazing watching it kind of grow into it. Have you been able to go through any of the obstacle courses? Ooh, oh, geez, I'm question. sorry, that question. <laughs> yes, yes, I feel like this is a setup. Yes, I have tried it. As I said, I can tell you again, I am incredibly athletic and super agile and totally fit. <laughs> the last two times I've done it, I broke my foot and broke my ankle. And, <laughs> and so literally the producers on the show were like, you can't, I go, I know, I know. If you see me looking at an obstacle, you have my permission to tackle me now. Uh, so yeah, I, I kind of leave the obstacles to the professionals. I just run my mouth. Which one did you break it on? Uh, so one of them was a trampoline. It was the end of stage one in Vegas. It was called the Flying Squirrel. And it was, it was about a six foot drop onto a, 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 an acrobatic trampoline. These are super responsive trampolines, like much, uh, much springier than, than what you'd have in the backyard. Now I took my shoes off. I, again, I, I have rheumatoid arthritis. So my bones are kind of like Rice Krispie treats. They're, they're brittle. And so I go, I go on this thing. Now, meanwhile, this is the end of the season. It's, and we, it's the sun's coming up. We've just wrapped the year. And I'm like, hey, ninjas, I'm going to do this. So they're all gathered around watching me and videoing this. And I'm like, that's a wrap on the season. Here we go. I drop down, my knees buckle, and, and as, I, as I fall into the water, I just feel the bone just explode. And now I go into the water and I'm, I'm just like, oh my God, there's so much pain. But they told me not to do this. So I have to come up and be like, I nailed it. That was just what I meant to do. And then I kind of left and I had one person pull me out. I'm like, can you, can you help carry me to the trailer? Because I don't <laughs> want them to know I just injured myself badly. 
It was embarrassing. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's turned into like a like you said, like it's a real sport. Like they have gyms for this yeah. now. People train like year round for this. What is the most impressive like athletic feat that you've seen, or one of the hardest obstacles that you didn't think anyone could do, and these so, you know, athletes were just defeating it's, it? It's funny because I think it really is based on your body type. So again, I'm I'm like six four, two forty. Well, I'm I'm a thicker guy, I'm, and. So when I see people doing fingertip grip strength stuff, that's particularly impressive to me because I just couldn't imagine doing it. I, I think one of the most impressive physical feats I saw was back in season four, we had a guy, Cam Wembley on, who was just on in our season premiere competing. And he is he played defensive end for the Tennessee Titans. He's 6'4", 255. He completed a 10 obstacle course. He's by far the biggest athlete ever to do it. He got on the salmon ladder and this is where there's a steel bar going across these ladders that you ascend. He was on the, the bar was dipping. It was bending as he was on it and he got through it. And to me, to see someone of that mass doing things that the majority of the athletes are 150 pounds or less, to see this guy at 250 who was playing in the NFL at the time, that to me stood out. But honestly, every, every time we watch, there's something that just amazes me. And when you see, I think one of the one of the cool things Paige has been watching the how the, the obstacles have gotten so much more difficult. But, but now I've been on for over a decade. I've seen the ninjas themselves get better. And so some of these athletes who they were coming in, they couldn't you know get up a warped wall. Now we have a wall. So that's the curved wall you run up at the end. It used to be 14 feet. Then it's 14 and a half. We have a mega wall. It's 18 feet. And we're watching people run up an 18 foot wall after doing six obstacles to that point. It's, it's insane, I think, seeing how these athletes through this year in, year out training have gotten so much better where whatever we throw at them, they figure out a way to get through it. I love that. I love watching people just be amazing. And That's we've it. Had a lot of yeah, I mean, we've, we've had a lot of sports coming back too, and I can't wait to get into this week because it has been a lot. So we're gonna take a little break and we're gonna talk this week in sports coming up next. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I don't know about you guys, but this was the first time in a long time that I have felt normal. It was a beautiful day yesterday, woke up, sat on my couch, drinking some coffee, and football was on. It was a beautiful sight. It was amazing. <laughs> I it, it just felt like life is normal again. It felt good. I thought it was – the thing I loved about it um, – was so when we did ninja we shot in a dome we shot where the rams used to play the dome at america center Eighty thousand seat arena we didn't have anyone in there we had to get creative we put the course kind of in the center so we could shoot so we would not show the empty stands but when you watch baseball or the nba it's hard not to notice that they have the banners up or they have those cardboard cutouts with football because of the way they shoot it the majority of the shots actually are just tied on the field so unless it's a 
point after touchdown, you're really not seeing the empty stands. And when they were piping in the noise, it was the same. Th I felt the same way, Paige, where I was watching going, this is normal. I'm sitting here, football's going on in the midst of this pandemic where in LA, we still can't go get a haircut. It was so awesome to see it. And I think aside from the fact that football is the 800 pound gorilla that rules television and in, in, in the States, it, to me, it is the thing that makes it feel like there is some normalcy in the future coming back. Well, and it seemed like the guys as well on the field, they were playing with so much intensity and joy for the game. And that was so great to see. And I think after year and year, that becomes a job for them. And I mean, it is their job. And I think that probably brought some perspective back to them where it's like, wow, like I didn't think this was going to happen. You're and 100%. I'm playing, I'm, I'm a little kid again, playing football, this game that I love. 100%. And you could see the guys, they were hitting hard. They were playing fast and you could, they were having so much fun out there. But other than Brady throwing a couple INTs and a pick six, you didn't see many, you didn't <laughs> see many stumbles. You thought it would be, you know, a lot more penalties, uh, missed routes. I, I, I thought it was pretty clean football. And again, what a testament to how they were playing. But he, he, I also have a theory on this. I'd be interested to hear your take. One of the things I think that's, that's happened is without the crowds, you don't have necessarily the adrenaline <clears throat> fueling you on a great play, but I think it also probably calms the nerves. And I, this hit me when I was watching the PGA Championship and Morikawa on Sunday was lights out at 23 years of age. I don't know that he could have done that where galleries there, where people cheering where he hearing you know people erupt when Kepka was hitting a good shot. I think that changes, particularly for a young athlete, for a young athlete who maybe hasn't been on a stage that size. So I'll be interested to see if, if the veterans don't have quite as much of an edge over the young guys, because these young guys are coming in and it's a little more like, all right, this is a drill. I can just play football. And although I, like Burrow yesterday was insane. Now granted he played at LSU, so he's used to huge crowds. But I'll be interested to see if some of these young guys, the nerves aren't as, uh, they're just not as taxing. Yeah, we talked about that in golf all the time. You're seeing so many new winners because they don't have the crowds and that adrenaline. And that's mm -hmm. something you have to learn to deal with. And obviously you had the veterans playing well, except for, I mean, we got to talk about Tom Brady. Yeah. It was, <sighs> it wasn't great. Like it, it, it wasn't great at all. He was I sacked three times. Until like the third quarter, I felt like they're going to come back. And then you're like, oh, no, okay. No, no, they're not. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. The thing I don't want to see is, you know, Brady getting, uh, averaging a pick a game and, you know, throwing for 150 yards. I don't want to see Tom Brady not great. And I don't think he will either. But, you know, it'd be, it'd be awful to see him go to Tampa and go seven to nine. That would just be heartbreaking to see him go out like that. Well, in the most surprising unit of 2020, I actually kind of like the Patriots now that Cam Newton is on the team. I <laughs> was never a big Patriots fan, but like that works together. I love seeing Cam and, out and there. And Belichick, the, the stone-faced, emotionless guy like, Cam Newton, great, be a good player. Like, who, what is Bill doing? I, I, I don't know if he really believes it or if he's also an F you to Brady. Like, you're out of here. Now I'm going to praise your successor. But yeah, Newton looked great. Uh, it's it's going to be his... an interesting season. Did you guys see his yellow suit entering in? Yeah, he looked like uh, Big Bird. I thought it was awesome. Ew, that guy's got style. So he can pull it off. Bad. You thought it was good? Well, listen, look at me. Oh. I'm wearing a shirt stained with bleach. Oh, Celebrity <laughs> Sports Center. Do you remember this place, Paige? You're probably too young. Yeah, I, I, I wish I could make those bold fashion choices and make it look at least questionably good. I, uh, 
It's I the hats. It. It's the hats for me. I, I just want to see his hat collection because it yeah. must be insane. I, but, I, I mean, preferred when he had the, the Russian grandmother babushka, <laughs> that wrap that he put around. Like, like he was the big bad wolf and the grandmother. Like, the guy, but the guy just, he's like, I, I'll make my own fashion style. <laughs> I think the best thing on social media, though, has been all of, like, the breakup tweets to Tom Brady, where they're, like, talking about him as, like, an ex, and they actually truly mean it, and just see, like, how they're having to deal with it. It's pretty funny. I mean, what a, I don't know that we'll ever see a run like that between free agency and, and, and the salary cap, where you'll see a player stay with the team as long as he did have that degree of success. I, I don't know that that will be replicated. That was just an amazing run, and it's I mean, it's interesting now because I'm Broncos, AFC West. Mahomes is going to be the bane of our existence for a decade. I think the, the Chiefs look like they could be the new dynasty. But, you know, it'll be amazing. Just I'm just excited to see the Broncos play tonight. I'm excited to have football back in Denver. And just, uh, again, to me, this feels like, all right, normalcy is closer. Football, to me, is that important to, to me and to America. Well, and also to see college football as well. It was nice to see them yeah. playing and to have that. Hopefully they get everything else figured out, but I don't I don't know what's going to happen because that, that still seems like a bit of a mess. It, 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 it is. And, and, you know, medically, it's it's been amazing. It was amazing. I heard they did something like 4,000 tests to make the NFL happen yesterday, and they were all negative. And that's just, I mean, that is remarkable. Can you sustain that for 17 weeks and then the postseason? I doubt. Look, I think there are going to be positive tests, and it'll be like, how big are the outbreaks? How, how do they handle them? And that was something we faced with Ninja was, you know, we were testing regularly, but it was only for two weeks. Um, but you see the challenges. But I, I think, again, if anyone can do it, the NFL is going to command all the logistical and medical uh, technology and, and, and power that they can have. So, you know, this to me is kind of the road forward for everybody. They're just kind of blazing the trail. I know not all teams have played yet, but first impression, which team looks the best to you so far? I thought the Chiefs looked good. And, you know, when you just look at their roster and Mahomes and and the fact that I think Reed is now over the hump getting his first Super Bowl, I think they're going to be good. I thought Cam Newton, I wasn't sure. I thought I thought they looked very solid as well. I thought the Rams and the Cowboys, I I, I don't think that they may they'll be in the uh in the final game, but I think they'll both make it to the playoffs. I thought I thought golf looked looked really good. I'm I'm waiting to see, you know, the Broncos to me are gonna be losing Vaughn Miller is devastating because I think our defense was really the the defining trait and he is the defense. Um, I think Locke is great with Elway stacked the offense. Can he convert again? He, he, now there's someone who seemed to be responding the final few weeks of the season. So will it carry into this season? Will the the lack of crowds help or hurt? I I don't know. I I think uh, it's, it's going to be, I have no, I have no idea what to expect because I think the first week is kind of, the excitement and then weeks four, five, and six, we'll start to see the separation happen for the teams that are going to be able to handle this and, and actually have the talent to pull it off. And that's where I think, you know, having Belichick, having veteran coaches who've had a lot of time with their players. I think for the, the teams with newer coaches, you know, you, you, you think of uh, McCarthy at the Cowboys where it's probably harder to build rapport and build credibility when you're going to be asking players to do something unlike anything they've done in their careers. So I think, I think that the teams that have the biggest veteran core and the, the coaching staffs that have established themselves more, they're going to be at a huge advantage as this season, this unusual season moves forward. 
Yeah, I thought Aaron Rodgers looked really good, too. And I'm a big Steelers fan, so I'm nervous to watch them play. I don't know how they're going to do. We always have quarterback issues. So I think if Big Ben stays healthy, <laughs> we're going to be okay. But he's like you. He likes to break his ankles a lot. And... Oh, snap. <laughs> Is that the biggest insult ever hurled at Ben Roethlisberger? <laughs> You're about as athletic as the guy who hosts Ninja, Ben. No, that's, just, that's, just, that's just me. Can I just oh, say, I'm a little more concerned on this refing lately right now than even the fans, because there were a lot of controversial and way inconsistent calls in yeah. these opening games than I feel like all of last year. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I think for the refs too, it's got to be unusual. They, they're, they're calling it without the, without the crowd, and I'm sure you could hear some of it where they had to be quick on the button. When you started to hear the players talking trash, uh, who was it? I think golf was trying to pull off a hard count. And the player was like, don't bring that shit in here. And they're like, oh, missed that <laughs> one. Uh, yeah, so I think the refs are, are probably going to have a difficult time with it too. Um, and yet, you know, pass interference and, and still, what is a catch? I, I don't know how they haven't sorted that out. I honestly, I think they just flip a coin. They're like, mm, it's a catch. That yeah, one's totally. not. We'll, we'll see how it is. Totally. <laughs> Does it screw I mean, the Broncos? Make it a catch. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> when everyone was saying that Tom Brady, like his good calls were still carrying him to the Bucks. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe hand some money over. <laughs> I, I will say though. He doesn't we have need to make any money. He's, he's a kept man. His wife is loaded. Tom Brady's a freeloader. Giselle carries it's that true. family, I'm sure. <laughs> That's so true. I mean, I'd like to be married to Giselle. She's perfect. Oh, right. Wouldn't that be Who hot? wouldn't? Uh, <laughs> although, Tom, like, I love Tom Brady. What does he do? Uggs, sleep number mattresses. Like, he's the most eccentric uh, uh, endorsement guy uh, around. But I, I got to say, I should hate him, particularly being in the AFC. I still love him. I, I think there's something my brother called it. We always root for the underdogs. But there is a phenomenon, I think, the overdog. It was like Tiger Woods at his prime or Jordan in his prime where sometimes when somebody's that good, I want to see them be even better. Just so selfishly, you could say, I saw them play. Like Nolan Ryan, when he was throwing his seventh no-hitter. There's there are certain things mm -hmm. where, like when Brady won the uh, won that last one and, and when they came back from 25 points in the fourth, like that one I was rooting for to say, I saw the GOAT do the GOAT performance. That, that was awesome. So there there is something where I, I kind of enjoy that. And, and that's with Mahomes too. I think he could have, that guy, you know, I mean, it's a long ways away if he can stay healthy, which uh, in this league is, is such a challenge. But I'd love to see him have a, have a hell of a run. Well, I got to ask you guys, this was a huge story that happened. Um, OBJ and the shit story. I don't know if you've heard <laughs> about it. <laughs> Everyone has heard about it. You're just going to dump that in our lap? Just dump it right there. What I, a load of crap. Come yeah. on. I don't care how old you are or how mature you are. Poop jokes are always funny. Always funny. Always funny. Always funny. So I want to get your initial reaction. Do you think that the story is true or fake? Ah, uh, Listen, you know, one of the things is whatever floats someone's boat, good for them. Uh, not my thing. I, I, uh, I, don't, I don't like having corn involved in any of this stuff. <laughs> But if OBJ wants to do that and it, it elevates his greatness by all means, I, I, I do feel, I feel bad where it's something of, of like, my God, whatever you like, if, if, if people found out about it, you're like, I don't know, it's what, what you like. Is it true? Possibly. I could also imagine when you're at that level, 
I don't know, you know, anything you want goes where maybe you need something to turn you on. But uh, I, I just, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's one of the things where I really don't want to picture it. And I also imagine every cornerback, the trash that they're going to be talking, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm going to be on you. Well, no, I'm not going to be that on you because clearly you stink. But I, I just thought uh, it, it's, I, I feel, I, I got to imagine, because if it's not true, it doesn't matter. It's like Richard Gere and the gerbil. This is going to stick for the rest of time. We will think of OBJ and, and think of yeah. Mr. Hankey, the Christmas Pooh. That's what we're going to think of. And I'm sure everyone has heard the story, but if you haven't heard the story, a girl came out and said that OBJ likes to be shit on and he <laughs> wants to watch girls poop. And so that's his thing. That's his fetish. And we don't judge around here. We're totally fine with that. Yeah. Chuck Berry, I think, used to do that with glass tables. And the other thing is OBJ did play in Cleveland, so he's used to being shit on. I mean, <laughs> they are the Browns. <laughs> they are the Browns. <laughs> I will say, though, this was on the podcast where the girls said that she blew seven Sun players. One girl said Trey songs like to be peed on. And then now it's OBJ asked me to take a video of myself shitting on the toilet. Like, there's a lot being out there. You think she's not being completely truthful, Tori? You think she might be trying to pump her Instagram up? You know, I, my uh, inkling first was like, absolutely not. Then I was like, if you are OBJ, you can literally do anything in this world. I feel like he's probably like nothing but the most extreme turns me on at this yeah. point. So I'm kind of now thinking it's true. Or maybe it's also like, I don't, I don't, let me just see what I can get this girl to send me. Like he's sitting with his boys. I'll bet I can get her to send a video of that. No. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? I mean, he's watched two girls, one cup, one too many times. Oh, snap. <laughs> That's a hole in one right there, Paige. I forgot I, about that video. How could you so ever? So it's a thing. It's a thing, and that's why I think it's true, because why would this girl make up this elaborate lie about him? Yeah, obviously for clout, but she knows she's going to get sued if she lies, so why would she lie about it? I think these guys, like we were all saying, like they but can get whatever they want. That's a hard one to prove. That's a hard <laughs> negative to prove, right? <laughs> well, so she had to send a video of herself shitting. Like, if she kept the video, yeah. I mean, who did she well, send why that wouldn't to? You? I mean, if you get a good video, like a, you know, fisheye lens, wide angle with some good Tarantino action and put a little music in there. Good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah, how do you even film that? That's where I was thinking. Do you go like up through the front? Are you like standing up? Like, how do you even make that? I think that you'd need like a sexy? tripod someplace or some sort of camera mount would be my guess. I don't know. Oh gosh. Well, let's move I, on I to I just another. love that right now, everybody is picturing how they would take a video of their dog. <laughs> right now, would, everyone, whether they want silent. to or not, <laughs> I'd go with the Alfred Hitchcock, that slow push in, revealing it. Yeah, nice black good. and white. <laughs> oh, that's good. It's like an old crime thriller, very noir. <laughs> well, let's move on to another shitty person. Skip Bayless came out and oh. he had the remarks about Dak Prescott, um, where he didn't Why? have any sympathy towards his depression. And I'm not a big Skip fan. I don't think anyone in the world is a Skip Bayless fan. <sighs> but I just think that there's things that are completely off limits. And with the amount of money that he makes and the platform that he has, it was highly disgusting of him to talk about mental health that way. And I thought that his apology was weak. I thought everything about it was horrible. And I think he should lose his job over it. 
I, I'm never in favor of someone losing a job over something like that. I, I never want to take someone's platform away. Now, here's the thing. Skip, Skip uh, did his job in the sense of we're talking about Skip because that's what he cares about is controversy. Do I think he truly 100% believed it? I don't. I, I, I don't. I, I think Skip is someone who knows how to say controversial things, someone who will take a stance that may not be popular, and, and I think, you know, the other thing is probably th th that's the very old school, hey, rub dirt on it, you know, don't show weakness. I think that's the old school mindset. Um, I think it was out of touch. I, I, I just don't believe Skip truly, truly believes that or, or would not see how the importance of, and, and then to find out Dak just lost his brother to suicide, um, that, that to take that stance and to, to say that you're a leader and leader means like showing no weakness when everyone around you. I mean, we, we had people in the bubble, the NBA bubble. I was Paul George was talking about how depressed and how stressful it was. We're all going through that. So to have someone who's a leader and someone who's out in the field talk about, yeah, man, me too. Me too. I'm struggling with this. I thought it was great of Dak. I thought Skip, I thought he was being insincere. And unfortunately, he's not going to get canceled. His ratings are going to go up. He's going to be more valuable because right now we're, we're buying the bait that Skip is throwing out. I think that's, I, I think Skip Bayless does that. He's a guy who thrives on controversy. Well, and that's the most frustrating part, though, that he feels like he has to say that to get a reaction. And I always see people in the sports industry say, like, oh, girls get more attention or they throw out thirst traps to get attention, yet you have someone like Skip Bayless saying really gross stuff to get attention. So why is that okay? And people will allow him to do that, but then women are judged for what they do. And so it's, like, really frustrating for me when you see that over and over again. And I – like I said, there's just things that you shouldn't talk about, and that was just one of them. And he has a responsibility with a huge platform, and he just did a terrible job. Yeah, and he, the thing is, I, I, I think, uh, I, I think you know, the similar people who complain about the thirst traps, people who complain about Skip. The point is, they still, they still click on him, right? They still watch them, and I think you know, there's a certain you know, when people are like, oh, I'm gonna cancel, I'll never watch him again. Like people were talking with Netflix, cancel Netflix. How many people actually do it? You look at yeah. the numbers, not many. Not many people fall through it. They want to be outraged. But a lot of these people realize if you trade in that, like Skip does, where he's someone who's who that's kind of his image, this this works. And if, unfortunately, our society seems to reward that, our, our viewing habits, people who are down the middle and reasonable, they're not as successful as the ones who are living on the edge, taking these strong opinions. Because, you know, they, it was the line in private parts with Howard Stern. People who love him listen an average of two hours. People who hate him listen for an average of three hours. So you, you from a career point of view, not from a what's better for the world, what's the right thing to do. Yeah. From a career point of view, it's, you, you have, you're more likely if you take a, a, a strong stance one way or the other. Because when you look at the personalities who tend to break through, not many people are that kind of Ellen DeGeneres or even we even find out behind the scenes, she's not the nice one. But you see, I think guys like Jim Rome or these people who will, you know, have a take, do not suck. And, and it encourages you to say, rather than saying, well, I think the Cowboys will win. Cowboys are gonna win by 47, plan it, see it, put it on my tombstone. Like that gets people to have strong reactions. I think it's unfortunate, Paige, because I think what happens is, you know, it's not honest discourse at that point. It's entertainment. Yeah. Well, where do you think the line is? I feel like right now in our society, 
cancel culture is so big, but we're also fascinated by um, the crazy stunts that people are putting on social media and the more outrageous, the better with, you know, young influencers by things that they're doing and what they're saying and what they're posting. And yes, we always talk about canceling them, but we're just giving them more views and more attention and more money in their pockets. So like, where, where is that line? And also like you do comedy, do you feel stifled by the fact that you don't have freedom to say certain things because you're so worried about being canceled or is it the opposite where you feel like you have to say something so outrageous to even get noticed nowadays? Well, I, so I do stand up comedy, but uh, my, my bread and butter is Ninja Warrior and I do live rescue on A&E where we're following first responders and I've, you know, uh, the stuff I do is very middle America friendly. And, and that's my comedy. I'm not controversial, but I love edgy comics. And I love for them to be able to say anything because I'm a big believer in there's no subject that's taboo. There's nothing that is so horrible you can't talk about it. I had cancer. I, I had uh, a tumor in my kidney taken out. And when I tell that story, I, I'm, I laugh about it. I try to make people laugh about it. Because I also feel there's there's something about when, when you're able to laugh about something, you kind of take ownership over it. But the reality is, Sometimes you say things and you try to be funny and they're not. So I, I don't think there really should be a hard and fast line short of inciting violence. What I think is if there's something you don't like, you counter it with more talk, with more discussion. And you're right. I think, unfortunately, things are trending in ways that might not be productive, that might not be the way we want it to be. But I think that's always been the case of rock and roll was viewed as the devil's music. It was viewed as something that was going to corrupt people. And you see, we're always we're always evolving. And, and I just think I, I love the idea of we counter speech with more speech. Um, and when we see these things of things, you know, these crazy stunts and people pushing and people hurting themselves, it's terrible. But I don't I never want I never want us to be in the business of censoring them. I want it to be in the business of, hey, let's encourage people to make better thoughts. Um, now, of course, there, there are lines, but but it's. I'm, I'm much more like, I, I like the, the marketplace of ideas. I believe, you know, to talk about everything and even Skip, like, I don't agree with what he said. I don't think he should be canceled. I think, you know, Shannon should come at him, Skip, you stupid. Uh, and more people should, or maybe, you know, maybe Dax says, I'm just never gonna talk to you or FS1 because they're carrying you. Cool, Yeah. Th that's fine. I think there can be consequences, um, but I love the idea of, hey man, keep talking. Let's, let's all keep talking. Let's try to find some understanding. Cause I think what happens is people get into their, the, the silos, they get into their echo chambers where they drown out things and you stop, you stop viewing people as people who may think differently on a topic. You see us and them uh, instead of, hey man, you know, we might have all these same values. We just see differently on how we'd handle this one. So let's, let's talk, let's find that common ground. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time, but I think we, we're also always a prisoner of the moment, right? We think this right now, now more than ever, things are going to be destroyed. And it's like, I, I think you start to see it enough where you realize, hey man, we're, we're, we're gonna face challenges. We're gonna have things come up, but by and large, I think, I think people really have um, that, that, you know, the, the arc of justice is long, uh, the arc of history is long, but it bends towards justice. I think by and large, we're, we're still heading in a, better, in a better direction. It's just, you know, it's, it's not a straight line. It's very, very zigzag. Yeah, I mean, I go back and forth on it because what he said really triggered me because I've dealt with a lot of mental health issues and that's something that I'm really passionate about. But on the flip side, I don't agree with canceled culture. And so I always go back and forth with like how I'm feeling about this. And Kevin Kistner, who is a PGA Tour golfer, got a lot of heat 
uh, a couple days ago where he replied to Rex Chapman's tweet where he was talking about his family and friends um, struggling or dying from COVID and having it and himself struggling with kind of dealing with that. And Kevin Kistner replied, guess they can't handle the guidelines. And so he got a lot of hate from that. Mm. He ended up responding um, with an apology and said that, you know, he just said something that was inappropriate. And it always goes, I, Kevin Kisner is a, is a, he's a good person. Like I've right. met him. He's really nice. But then you see something like that and in your mind, you're like, is he not the person I thought he was? Did he say something that came off, you know, wrong? Because like you were saying, sometimes you say something, it just doesn't hit or it doesn't, you know, it's not how it was intended to be said or that wasn't your intention with the meaning behind it. And so it's so hard. It's like, should he be canceled for saying that? Is that showing his true colors? Is he really that person? And it's like, you don't know anymore. And I, I think that's a really good point. That's the problem with social media is context, tone, they're gone. They're not there. It's written word. It could have been sarcastic. It could have been maybe referencing something else. We don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe it was just a callous statement. But even still, it's it's does does one statement, does one act encapsulate the totality of someone? Is that how they're judged? I hope because look, we all have made mistakes. We've all said things we wish we could take back. We've all done things in a moment where you wake up and go, man, I, I wish I would have handled it differently. And I just think that now we're, we're all leading lives that are so much more dramatically public by choice. So we're putting it out there. And I'm not just talking about those of us who choose to be in front of the camera or choose to be on Instagram. Everybody who's on social media is sharing more of themselves to a wider, to, a, to an audience that you can't control. That you, you could tweet something to a friend and other people are seeing it. And then people are contacting your boss. And, and I just, I, 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 I don't want people to be judged on you know, one action. It, I get it. We do it. You know, you see something you, you, you see, and you, you often get your, your ire up or you say, ah, this, this is what I thought, or this, this is something I'm passionate about. So I'm going to come after him. I, I just, um, I, I think social media is, I spent a lot of time on there. It, it's the anonymity of it or the perceived anonymity for so many people. They wouldn't say this stuff to your face. And I think that it, it's, it's led to a, a really unhealthy degradation of, of dialogue, just conversation, the way we have things, this idea of we're more connected than ever, but we're more apart because with, with social media, I think just all the human cues of interaction, the way I'm saying it, the tone I'm saying it, what I've said before, what I'll say after, that's taken out. And, and even if it is, even if it is, you and I are having a joke about something on social media page, someone else could jump in and not know the context of it and see it totally differently. So I don't know the situation with Rex and Kevin, and you know, it certainly sounds like a callous statement, but I, I'm always like, God, I, I don't know. I, I've been there where I've, I've tried to make a joke to a friend and somebody overheard it and thought, what are you, that is, that's horrible. And, and, and I'm, I, I guess, particularly as, as someone who does comedy and you see um, that, that uh, you know, it's what topics are considered acceptable is being narrowed. And I just think, I think everything should be in fair game. And it's just, it's not always going to be funny, but, but I think we're much better off being exposed to things where you're like, I didn't agree with that. I don't like it. I think you're stupid, but at least I heard it. I heard what you think. And maybe you have a, a chance to evolve or we could discuss it, but it's uh, it's tough because you also see the people get riled up and you know, justifiably so, but maybe not, maybe not understanding the full context and that social media doesn't lend itself to subtle discussion. 
Well, I feel like everyone is just so sensitive now too, where like you can't really even say anything. I made a I made a poop joke about OBJ and people were calling me a cyber bully, you know, and it's like you just never know and or it's a take, joke. It's, it's a, a joke. joke. Yeah. And it's like you can't even joke or have fun or say anything without someone having a negative reaction, even with football where they had um the unity where they locked arms yeah. and i thought that was a really great moment you heard everyone booing in on twitter and it's very negative reaction it's just so weird that unity is actually tearing people apart but you see you know and i think that people don't take the chance sometimes to try to understand the other siders people who felt triggered by your joke maybe they were bullied like oh, i get it i get it that wasn't how i meant it i'm sorry you know if it set you off but it's it, it is an interesting time where that's not allowed that that interaction doesn't happen with social media and people, you know, it's it's so different when even on Zoom, where there's still this 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 gap, right? That there's something about being with somebody. Even still, I can see you, I can hear you, I can tell if you're joking or you're smiling. And and I think that's what's such a challenge with social media. We end up reading somebody's mind, trying to figure out what they meant when they said it. And and we often describe, we, we often take our own issues and superimpose it on someone else. And I I, I know I do that. And I, I try. I honestly, I'm trying to spend less time on social media <laughs> because I just find it where I'm like, well, is this really being productive? What am I actually gaining here? Other than, you know, just sitting at night, scrolling, 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 trying to figure out how to do a better bump and run. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's hard because I love social media and that's, I mean, it's my career, it's my job. I'm on my phone 24 seven and it's a way for me to connect. Um, and I always think it's good. And so it's always hurtful when you see the bad and that seems to kind of overtake all of the good, but Matt, do you watch a lot of golf on TV? So I've really been getting into it. And because of, and it's been so much fun. To me, my favorite event was the challenge with uh, Tiger and uh, Phil and Brady and, and Mickelson. And the thing I loved about it was, A, seeing like Brady be human at something. But I thought hearing like Mickelson break down how to read a green uh, uh with with Peyton, uh, you know, just or uh, with Brady, like how he would read the shading on it, and those things of how fascinating it is. Because when we watch golf, we don't we don't hear how they approach it, what their thoughts are, and it's so fascinating to me. Anytime when you can hear someone who's one of the greatest in the world at what they do, to hear their process, how they approach it, their mindset, I, I just I love that, and I, I you know at, particularly now as I'm really getting into golf, when you see just physically it's challenging, but mentally. How when you shank one to just like gear up and go, that was next one. This one's going to be great. I just crumble. I'm like, ah, oh, this round shit. I could have been, I could have shot under par now. It's yeah. Fun. So producer Tori, she's not the biggest golf fan. And last week I, I was having a very busy day. I got the dates mixed up. And so I said, Tori, you have to watch golf this week because it's the U.S. Open. It's at Wingfoot. It's my favorite golf course. And we previewed it. And so she ended up watching the Safeway Open, which was mm. probably the most boring tournament of the year we had Stuart right. sink win which was great i thought i was watching the champions tour for a little bit but it was still great for him to win you realize so somebody's Tori gonna clip that and go Paige renee calls the safe way to it old people golf i mean another day in my life so yeah. tori how boring was the safeway open for you i'm just laughing because i know for a fact you told me u.s open because in my head i was like is she talking about tennis or golf like i didn't know but yet i'm watching this whole thing and it didn't even cross my mind like oh this isn't it. So I could have watched the whole wrong tournament and not even know, which happened. 
Um, I feel like I was more intrigued by the like orange smoke in the sky and their lack of visibility. Mm-hmm. That was a huge conversation, mm-hmm. more so than even the golf game. So uh, that was it. I had to write down the winner's name. Wasn't it? Stuart Sink. Oh, I, yeah. I've, I've been intrigued by the technological advances on golf, like the top tra- tracker and, mm-hmm. and shaping it. And, and it's fun, particularly, you know, because we can go out, even the munis now will have the top tracer stuff where you can hit in the range and it'll give you your shot info and break it down. And it's really interesting when you see like DeChambeau, you know, getting 190 on the drive and you're like, you, you know, you're 90. Hitting ninety, like, oh my God! The, the when you start to appreciate the difference of of what they do, and and when you see the way they can stop a ball on a dime, it's just it, it really is fun. I, I think Tori, it, it took me a while. I, I really got into golf um, during this lockdown, and that's elevated my appreciation for watching those events because it's just to know what they're doing and to be doing it stroke after stroke as the pressure builds is amazing. That sounded yeah, a little, it, that sounded dirty, didn't it? <laughs> in my head, I was like, OBJ, like, oh, oh, go to the toilet. It's coming. I mean, golf is the dirtiest sport ever when it comes to their terms, because I'll do the instructional videos, and I'm talking about, you know, the stiff shaft and choking down on it. And I oh, mean, God. the guys, they're, oh, I, it I don't is... get it. How is that sexual at all? I don't think it's it. Slowly, with Slowly. little light. <laughs> no, yeah, it is. It and it's not, hey, I'm going to play the back nine. We'll see you in the night. Yeah, it's. I mean, oh yeah, but it's the funniest thing. But there was some controversy. So they had the ANA inspiration. One, they need to change the logo because it looks like anal every single time it pops up (laughs) on. And I don't, and this is what I don't get. You have like the CEO and all of these guys and it's a huge company. And did not one person in that conference room say, you know what guys, our logo looks like anal. Like, how did they even like get or to that Or maybe point? that's exactly what they wanted. They're like OBJ, like this is our target audience. <laughs> yeah. Those people but, are uh, close-minded <laughs> to just one hole, you know, let's open this up. I like it inclusion. That's what we're all about in 2020. So it was a major and Miriam Lee, she ended up winning in a playoff three-way playoff with Brooke Henderson and Nellie Corda. So I don't know if you guys have seen the Dinah Shore course in Palm Springs, but on number 18, it's almost like an island green Mm. and it should play as so. And there's water behind it and water in front of it. And it's a par five. And so the risk reward is that you can go for it in two or you lay up. So every year they usually have a big grandstand back there. And so most of the people will go for it and will hit the grandstand and then they'll get a free drop. Mm. So this year, since there were no people allowed because of COVID, they put up this huge monstrosity of a, a blue wall. I don't even know what it was. And people were saying that it could just completely ruin the golf course. And I completely agree. And I always feel like, women's golf is so great and more people need to watch it but there's always something that kind of holds people back and this was one of them i mean it took them probably 30 minutes to play the final hole before they got into a playoff and no one wants to sit there and see nothing happening and when you look at other sports you have hockey even baseball was faster than that moment and i think baseball is the most boring boring sport ever (laughs) and you have i mean everything there's always like constant movement and constant you know People are running into each other. Something is always going on. And then with golf, you turn it on and nothing's happening. And I can see why people have no interest in it whatsoever. That is, you know, and that's something we we actually, on Ninja Warrior, that was one of the things we had to evolve on. We used to have obstacles that were super challenging, but 
you know, a run now typically is anywhere, you know, a successful run can be like a minute and a half up to three or four minutes, which is a TV break. We would have obstacles, a single obstacle where people could be hanging for seven minutes. And we realized like, hey, this is dramatic, but you can't show that on television. You can't convey it. And so one of the challenges, we really don't talk about it, but it's, it's, it's always with us is how does this play on TV? How does, because you can't, you, you, you have these time constraints and this idea of, I, I think that's something how, when you watch the golf, the way they're jumping around and you know, sometimes they've obviously got things that happened a minute before and they're like, hey, let's, let's take a look at this putt where you always have that action coming in. And I think that's the evolution of television that's going on with people with the short attention span. And you're right. I think golf is challenges that when it is a playoff that the long walk, but it, it has been interesting because I remember that with the PGA too, where the rough was so long and there was no gallery to mash it down and they were losing balls at a major tournament. They couldn't find the balls. You thought that would never happen with the crowd there. So it is interesting as, as they, as they try to adapt to this and sometimes they make the wrong call and it sounds like the big blue monster was, was not it. <laughs> It was not great, and we'll see how the rough is for the U.S. Open because I'm already seeing already that, I mean, it's nasty, and I don't know. But, Matt, I really want to thank you for coming on today. You are great. Where can we catch you with American Ninja Warrior, and do you have anything else coming up soon? Yes, every Monday night, Ninja Warrior is on NBC, so forget the Broncos tonight. Watch Ninja. You can take that. <laughs> every Friday and Saturday, I'm on A&E. We're live with Live Rescue. We're following paramedics and first responders all around the country. And then Tuesdays, I have my uh, podcast game show, Factorious, that comes out. And I spend way too much time on social media, despite my admonitions to be better in the real world. I'm on there all the time, at Matt Eisman. Awesome. Thank you so much. Matt, we'll definitely have to go play golf in Colorado sometime. I will constantly make you give me tips. It'll be like you're coaching me the whole time. So (laughs) Perfect. I love it. we'll make a lot of OBJ jokes. Thank you, though. Really appreciate it. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. best voice i need to i need to get like voice training or like something to like work on the, my voice he just just sounds so good we had in the in matt money too maybe it's just a matt thing all mats have really nice voices and his background i was like are we on espn right now this looks legit <laughs> like is this going somewhere other than nowhere <laughs> am i not like, aware you know, like my white bed behind me that's weird <laughs> I love it. We're such professionals on the Playing Around podcast. <laughs> I think he was like, shoot, I didn't know I was on ESPN with our whole, you know, setup. Oh, no. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about the ANA inspiration. I got a lot of comments from people saying that they were a little bit disappointed that I didn't preview it last week. In all fairness, I didn't even know it was going on. I thought it was the U.S. Open. I thought we were, you know, two weeks ahead of time. So that was on me. That's my fault. I will say that I have a bit of a conflicting relationship with women's golf and especially with the LPGA, I have asked to help them and I wanted to work with them years ago and they flat out told me that they do not want my help. And I have also had players say that 
I do more harm than good for women's golf and they don't want me to speak about it. They don't want me to cover it and they don't, they don't want to have any involvement with me when it comes to what they're doing. And so um, it's been kind of hard for me to want to talk about it. One, because I just don't feel respected or accepted by my peers. And two, I don't want to piss them off. If they don't want me talking about them or if they don't want Mm -hmm. any help, I would just rather stay out of it than kind of push my way into it. And so that's kind of why I've never um, really talk about the LPGA or really mention it. Um, It's just kind of my personal reasons behind it. But again, it is a major, and I feel that it's very important to discuss it, and I think it's going to help women's golf to um, – I should cover it more, and I know I should cover it more, and I think I need to take my personal feelings out of it and do what's good for women's golf, and that is to bring more attention to it. So, again, I'm sorry that I didn't preview it last week, and I will try to do a better job and hopefully <laughs> – I won't get any more hateful comments from the girls. Yeah, gotcha. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. But we'll get back into the ANA inspiration. It was a really great tournament. Um, like I said, Mirren Lee won a three-way playoff with Brooke Henderson and Nellie Corda. I thought Nellie Corda was going to win it. She looked so solid all week long. And Brooke Henderson is such a great player. She's been so good for so long. Probably the best Canadian golfer ever I think she's really gonna make her mark she's still so young and she just looks so solid out there and she has her sister on the bag as a caddy and they make such a great team but I think Nellie Corda is going to be the next big star for American golfers Um, she hits it a mile she putts well she chips well her iron game is really good obviously she has the great pedigree from her family her dad played professional tennis her brother is a professional tennis player and then her sister jessica corda is also on the lpga tour so quite an oh, athletic wow. family yeah it's uh it's impressive is, for sure yeah to say the least and i've played that's that course breeder. yeah that's a breeder <laughs> i've played that course a lot we would have our conference championship there in college and then i also played in junior golf and it is deceptively hard. It looks very easy on TV, but when you play it, the rough is quite long, the fairways are narrow, and it's hard to make putts. And for them to shoot that low where it's set up, and I think a lot of people have this idea that when women are playing, doesn't matter on what level, that they always play from the front tees. And the women were playing from 6,800. So it's not a short little golf course. Like this is a serious golf course set up and they shot so low. It's very impressive to watch. And it was a really good tournament. It was exciting. Of course, the controversy with the ugly blue wall on 18. And I don't know why it was there. It should not have been there. It was horrible. And I and it really overshadowed how good the tournament was because now everyone's just talking about that. And that just seems to happen a lot with women's golf where there's always just kind of like one kind of controversy that overshadows the amazing play and all the great players there. I wouldn't know, but sounds intriguing. <laughs> sounds intriguing. I watched the wrong tournament, so didn't even know it. So I'm, try- I'm, trying, uh, to, I'm trying to learn. Wait, who was your pick for the U.S. Open? I don't even – Oh, went, Justin oh, Timberlake. <laughs> Justin Timberlake, yes, he's definitely playing in the U.S. And Open. And he's going to kill it. <laughs> he's going to kill it. So we actually have the U.S. Open now coming up. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is actually it. This is actually that it's happening. I think people have just been talking about it for so long that that's why I thought it was happening. I don't. I right. literally don't know. And it took me until Thursday 
where I was like, wait, it's not happening. Like, I actually thought until about Thursday that the U.S. Open was going on. I I don't know what happened. Did we even get any comments on our podcast, like, about it? Like, maybe that was a test. We were testing you guys to see, do you listen and pay attention and hold us accountable? <laughs> well, we play Never Have I Ever, and so I think people were more interested in the body count question and what was going on. Because I got a lot of DMs. <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> That, yeah, the balls to the face. That's what we were all worried about. <laughs> Someone actually left a comment on my Instagram. It was like, so do you like balls to the face? And I was like, no, that's Tori. Oh, wrong girl. Sorry. <laughs> you clearly didn't listen to the podcast because you would have known that it was Tori. Hey, you know what? Speaking about balls to the face, I have a TNA question for you. Can we jump there? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, this one's from Barry J. Regan, and since we've been very sports heavy, I'm going to shoot you with more of a, a, a like, have, never have I ever kind of a question. Is playing 9 or 18 a good date? If so, what should guys do when playing golf with a date? Uh, never play 18. 18 is way too long. It's like, why, if you don't, it depends on if you how well you know that person, because if it's like a first date, you are go, literally going to be stuck with them for five hours, and no one yep. wants that. Is that the average for an 18? Well, the amount of time where, like, you get there, you practice, you play, and then sometimes you'll, like, stay there a little bit after to have, like, drinks or food. It could be, like, it's normally, like, a four and a half, seven hour day of your time. (laughs) So you are stuck with them for that long. And so that's why I would say go with a nine hole. It's more fun anyways. I love nine holes. That's normally the amount that all... I'll, I'll always play unless I'm forced to play 18 and that's the best way to do it. I don't, I just like, I don't know if that's the best golf date idea unless both p- people play. Cause it could be really uncomfortable and weird. Right. If, like, yeah. One person doesn't know what they're doing. So instead of doing that, take them to the range. So much more fun. You're not stuck out there. Uh, you can just hit the ball, like just hit it around, have fun. It's really relaxed, super fun. You can even bring like food and drinks out with you or just buy like yeah. stuff there, make it like a little fun picnic, date, golf session. But I would recommend going to the range instead of playing for sure. No, I will say I, we know Pro Tour doesn't know anything about golf and I've been on a first date where someone took me to driving range and I had a blast. Yeah. I think I made him have like a 10 gray hairs but it also made me understand um, he had great patience. So that's also well, great. And it's fun, too, for guys because you can kind of, like, get behind them. And, it, and it's an excuse that you can touch them and tell them, like, where to go with your position. If men are doing that on a date, that needs to be canceled. Okay? Are you saying you like that? I mean, I would do that when I was giving guys lessons. You would go from behind and say, let me help you. I mean, I think it's I think it's cute. I don't mind oh, it. No. I don't mind it. What's your ideal first date? My ideal first date. I like unique dates where someone actually takes the time to put thought into it. And so it could be really anything, but I don't like when they're like, okay, we're just gonna have 
drinks and dinner or something that's just so predictable I don't like yeah. that I'd rather do something like where you go to a driving range or go to like a sporting event or a picnic or any or go to the beach anything that's just a little bit different instead of just being like hey let's meet at this bar and we'll have drinks I think that's just right. lazy and I personally just don't like that at all yeah I feel like that's sporting events though. yeah <laughs> I was gonna say my ideal first date is batting cages. I love love that. Not every girl's cup of tea, but also I've been on a first date to a, a Dodger game, so we were there for like a solid three hours. And he picked the game where there was fireworks after, so we were there for so long. So if you're gonna do that, you just have to be a very good conversationalist. Is that a word? I feel like it is. Yeah, it is. Okay. Or, or like pick a pick an activity that you're really good at. So then. I think that's something that's really great, too. So you can kind of show off and teach them. And it kind of starts more of a conversation. And so if you are a really great golfer, take them to the driving range. Like, that's totally going to turn them on because it's so sexy watching someone be good at something. Totally. And I think if you're good at something, it could be whatever – take them to that place and do that. That's like the best first date you could possibly do. I agree. And we love confidence, not cocky, confident. So if you're feeling good about yourself, men, and you're doing something, we're like, ooh, take the lead. Yes. Yeah. Confidence is definitely sexy. So I think that's my first date advice. That's pretty solid out there, you guys. But coming from behind, I can't with that. I mean, it's kind of cheesy. I'll say that. But I think it's cute. It's like when you go play pool for the first time and like they they kind of have to bend over and show you how to do it. It's the same thing. Oh, gosh. Oh, (laughs) no. I. mm. We are. That's a hard no from me. (laughs) I know. Like we're completely two different girls. (laughs) And like what I find so cute, you're finding so cringy. And so, guys, if you have a girl that's more like me, do what I say. If you have a girl that's more like Tori, do what Tori says. (laughs) And I'm single, so do you even listen to me? (laughs) It's a nice balance, though. I mean, there's... It is. I like it. It works for us. But I want to thank you guys for listening to today's podcast. We always have so much fun doing this. And what's your best poop joke? That's what I want to know. That's all I'm interested in. So... (laughs) And I know you guys. You're a bunch of pervs, and that's what I love about you. So please email us your best poop joke or what your fetish is. Ooh, that's a good one. Tori, where can they email us? This is going to get scary. P-A-R at iHeartRadio.com or DM us at Playing Around Podcast. <laughs> we are going to read these off on the next episode. And if you don't want your name mentioned, mention it in the email. We should also, we should bring back hit or uh, hit or miss or was it hit or whiff? Oh, so we can do that with the poop jokes and the fetishes. We could see who had it and who didn't. Well, next week will be our U.S. Open uh recap because i'm so excited for that it's going to be a great tournament i've been looking forward to it for the last two weeks now (laughs) same (laughs) so tori is actually going to watch golf and watch an exciting exciting tournament so again thanks guys um you're the best thanks for supporting us and we will see you oh my god i do that every single fucking time we will be back for another episode next week there we go bye guys i love you Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.